This week, we're discussing the Twilight Saga movies, a.k.a. vampires ejaculate like a shotgun loaded with one-carat diamonds. Hi, readers. I'm Jordan. And I'm Katie. And welcome to Not Another Heroine, the podcast where we break down the best and worst fictional heroines, those swashbuckling ladies who have to work a little harder than expected for their happy ending. Want to see what's next on our TBR list? Subscribe to us on YouTube or follow us on Instagram for a sneak peek at upcoming content or to help us pick our next book. Before we start, we wanted to actually thank one of our yeah, readers. Our, our readers. Yeah. yeah. So um, username is probably... Uh, daughter with several underscores. It just delights us every time that we actually have interaction. Um, <laughs> People about... actually listen to this. <laughs> oh, we have real listeners. And that's even if, you know, we disagree on certain points. Mm-hmm. I appreciate her take. It mm-hmm. was it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't agree with everything, but yeah. it al- it's also food for thought. Yeah. Especially the part with Bella as like the... Un- unreliable there we go got through the word uh unreliable narrator because Mm -hmm. i feel like that's a pretty valid point that she's a 17 year old girl so everything's coming through that filter Mm -hmm. um and it's not something i really picked up on when i was actually reading twilight yeah that was a really good point and then also the recommendation for um the host which i read have you read it Mm -mm. yeah it's super good and she wanted you to read it rob Oh, so I'm committed to another episode now. So that that may be a, a future yeah. episode. Rob's pick of the week. <gasps> yes, <laughs> we're volunteering yes, you to, to read the book, Rob. I, you know, I thought I was gonna get a pick of the week opportunity, but I don't. I don't read you guys' genre, honestly. So it's probably for the best that you. Yeah. Okay, I think you'd like it. This one is like grown up animorphs. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Grown up animorphs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the little like aliens that in like infiltrate. Oh, I said it right. Nice. <laughs> no shot. Yeah, and there's still a shot sitting on the table. We should fare pretty well this time around because uh, we're not all like f- five drinks in at the beginning Before of recording. Before we start, so, no. like, Yeah, we were, we were in the hole already. It was hard to clamber back out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So just as we progress through the movies, it's just going to get a little bit more entertaining. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's deserved, though. Because, like, New Moon <laughs> was, like, an up point, and then it just went downhill from there. Yeah. New Moon almost made me a, a Team Jacob. <gasps> I, I could see that, but... I have my reasons. I will get to them. The cinematography was so good that I almost agree with your point. <laughs> <laughs> it just looked pretty. Uh, yeah. yeah. All of the scenes in New Moon were so good. Yeah. Uh, do we want to just start talking yeah, about let's, New Moon? Yeah, let's just get into to New Moon. And actually, that's one of my, my first points, which is mm. the... The opening dream scene, which I know you said was super hokey, I thought that was like a nice, creepier touch to open with. Oh, no. You're talking about the grandma one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that scene. The scene I thought was hokey was the fake wedding one. Oh, yeah. Agreed on both points. I mean, like, looking back on it, I was like, oh, that's a, all right, that's a bit familiar. You know, it's kind of a familiar movie trope, but it was pretty well executed. I feel like it had uh, the right pacing to make it kind of like spooky, like you were saying, scary, like unsettling, because they could have rushed through it and it wouldn't have felt the same way. Um, But they they drew it out enough that it's like, holy fuck. (laughs) I think they certainly rushed through some things. But yeah, that's one they didn't drag. They didn't drag or they didn't drag on unnecessarily. And they didn't. um, Yeah, I got the right pacing. But could but could Jacob be any more awkward in this first opening scene? I mean. If he'd had an erection, probably. Like that's about as it that's about oh as Oh my gosh. 
That may not make the final I'm cut. Blush. <laughs> you gotta tuck it. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry, Katie. It could be worse. <laughs> That's the trouble with always walking around with your shirt off. There's no, you can't tuck it into the waistband. <laughs> It's probably in the porn version of New Moon. Oh, God. Please don't. oh, I'm I'm keeping that. That is staying in here. Oh my God. Yeah. Jordan, I our, feel I feel a resident Victorian woman is fanning herself. Oh my, I feel flushed. You do feel flushed. She's gonna swoon. This is an inappropriate conversation. Yeah. Lines have been crossed. Oh God! But it's it's true though. <laughs> yeah, because that's my biggest gripe with this whole movie is like how awkward Jacob is the whole time. But it's interesting. So the first time I watched this <clears throat> nerd reveal moment, I went for a birthday party. That is every podcast is a nerd reveal. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have checked your guys' podcast description, but yeah. That's Beamba. mean. Beamba. I went to this for a birthday party, the like midnight pre- premiere of New Moon. We all wore like the t-shirts and stuff for the birthday party. You were those girls. Yeah. It was, huh? 14, 15. Yeah, that's fair. 13, that's what you do. Yeah. I wore Twilight shirt in this uh yeah i feel like the first time i watched it though i had a little bit more like jacob could be a competitor vibes but then re-watching it um me and my partner were watching it together and we both were kind of like there's no shot like it's it's always been edward this was my biggest hiccup with new moon which is it doesn't well it's not new moon it's it's twilight 2 the first movie because i don't think they cast jacob right Jacob is supposed to look like a 30-year-old man when he has his little glow-up session in the books. Like, they hit puberty, and they, like, they turn into, like, men. And then it was just like, oh, here's a super buff 17-year-old with a buzz cut. Like, that was the only glow-up. And Because I think in New Moon, the book, she legitimately has this back and forth, like, oh, my God, this this man. Because that's the only person who could compete with Edward is, like, another adult man. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, so full disclosure too. I I only read the first book, so my the remainder of my experience with Twilight now is just from the films. Uh, so yeah, I don't have that. I don't have those touchstones from the books to to make reference to. But I think that's why Jacob had such a rabid fan base. It's because if you read him in the book, he's like this tall, dark, swarthy, like man's man type of character. Hmm. Um, and in here, he's just this whiny little bitch. Like it's oh, really yeah, annoying. No, it's washboard ab twink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so spot on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was disturbingly spot on. Oh yeah. Uh. No, the, the people who cast these uh, cast these movies knew what they were doing. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure what they saw in Kristen Stewart, but. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Because I, I feel like I've seen a couple of different movies with Kristen Stewart, and she always has that, like, way too awkward. Like, I'm not sure if she's being intentional with it or... Because uh, what was that one movie that she was in recently? The new remake of Charlie's Angels, right? But is she awkward in that one? No, she's like... um, And it's kind of interesting. So this is going to be like a total sideline, like Kristen Stewart is a person. As of 2023, she's either married or um, about to be married to a woman. So she had her like gay awakening. And it's interesting because Charlie's Angels was in 2019. And she plays a very like, obviously, either bisexual or lesbian character. And she's a lot like stronger and like more um, sure of herself in this movie. 
So the scenes where she's actually fighting for something, like not just mm-hmm. in New Moon, but also throughout throughout these other movies, is when she like actually seems invested in the character. Yeah, like the when she's yelling at Jacob in the last one, like mm-hmm. you imprinted on my daughter. Like that was the one scene that I was like, that's a reasonable reaction. Like she played that well. Or when she's running towards to save um, Edward at the end of New Moon, like her whole like, I'm going to save the world and save you kind of moment. It's very forceful. Yeah, I mean, I'm still not impressed with her range because I feel like anger. I'm not an actor. I've, I've never had any acting training or anything like that. But I mean, it does seem like anger would be one of the easy emotions to convey. Whereas concentration, she clearly struggled with. <laughs> like, like, and let me. Like we're going to focus on how you can extend your shield power to other people. And she's like, all right, I furrow my brow and drop my chin, <laughs> and that's focus. Like, did you ever read a book? <laughs> okay, but I will say she she kind of did this deadpan humor really well. So yeah, the she- scene in the movie theater. When it camera pans between oh. <laughs> Mike and Jacob, I died. <laughs> my spouse, uh, my partner, we were watching that scene, and he's like, "Did are are they both trying <laughs> to hold her hand?" <laughs> it was like and his expression was so fucking dying. Like gently, like gently cupped hands on the armrest, <laughs> upturned at the appropriate angle. Of some, yeah, and like her shoulders hunched in, and she's just looking like, "Dear Jesus, God, get me out of this theater!" I fucking died. Uh, what was the other kid's name again? Uh, Mike. Mike. Oh Mike. man, and who's that squeak? Like, what kind of? What was? Oh God, what was the name of the movie too? I remember just rolling my eyes like, I get it's a movie, and so it's a movie within a movie, and it's going to have to have like an especially over-the-top name, but it was something like, oh, it's Punchface. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You guys want to go see Punchface? Like, yeah, that totally sounds like a movie that would that would totally be out. (laughs) (laughs) Who approved that? I know. But my my favorite point was, love spelled backwards is love. I from my... Sweet, sweet Mike. Oh, God. (laughs) It was adorable. Because he he had that, like, feeling about him that he's like, oh, yeah, like, whatever that, like, love movie is. Like, I know the whole cast. I have read, like, read the book. I have posters up on my wall. (laughs) It was adorable. It was cute. Yeah. But so Bella's whole, like, this is backtracking a little bit, her Mm. depression cycle. (gasps) That was very well done. Yeah. And it was uh, kind of hard to watch almost, Mm -hmm. especially as, like, an older person now. It's like, it's hard to watch in real life too. Like mm-hmm. seeing, like you don't know how to help people, yeah. and then you kind of feel resentful for people feeling that way because mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do. Yeah, so it just impacts everyone around them and their entire entire environment. Mm-hmm. So it's just this never ending cycle of like doom and gloom for the person yeah. experiencing it, and also for everybody around them. Yeah, I feel like uh, Billy Burke, the guy that played Charlie, did a really good job as like being this like helpless dad that you like see your kid going through this like just. Dis- depressive cycle and you have no idea how to help and then you kind of have like a over-the-top reaction like okay you're gonna go live with your mom now and she's like oh no like i'm gonna you know go hang out with my friends but it was a very realistic like uh depiction of a father figure like i have no fucking idea how to help you but maybe your mom can yeah he's an underappreciated actor too honestly Mm -hmm. he i mean he i think this is one of the better performances although a Minus the laugh and one of the, in some of the final scenes, Martin Sheen was amazing. But uh, yeah, Charlie, Charlie's one of my favorite characters from the series, honestly, through in the in the books and in the movies, because it all just tracks. Like this is one of my struggles with the books, one or with the stories, I rather. I must say stories to combine the books and the mm. and the movies. One of my struggles with is like I don't feel like the characters behave in the most realistic ways given the circumstances that have been painted for them, except Charlie. Charlie makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Charlie squares up to the situation and confronts it. 
Like, uh, although I, one time where I thought his reaction was somewhat muted was about the time, uh, what is it, Taylor Lautner, the, uh, Jacob, about the time, about the time Jacob's pants came off. <laughs> save I, it, save it, we have to come back to it. I thought Charlie's reaction was a bit muted, so. True. Okay, still a new moon. Still a new moon. We're uh, trying to stay on target. But- so- no, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that the whole adrenaline rush thing also tracks <gasps> for like yeah. depression, like seeking any way to feel something. Mm-hmm. Totally yeah. on point yeah. for someone experiencing that. And I thought, uh, I feel like I already talked about it, but didn't really talk about it. The cinematography of these like moments was really well done in New Moon, like more so than any of the other movies. Like the ghosts of Edwards that she sees are like, they're pretty. I thought that was dumb. <gasps> what? Well, not only that, too. Sorry, I'm going to touch a whole different sub, uh, part of that because the first time she sees one of these spectral Edwards is where she encounters the motorcycle gang in Port Angeles again, which incidentally, we're all Pacific Northwest, like we live in the Pacific Northwest. And so uh, if you've never been to Port Angeles, like it is not teeming with motorcycle gangs, but but she's she's walking down an alley. And then these these mo- this motorcycle gang calls out to her. One of my issues with it was like, all right, I get some movie. They're telling stories. They have certain archetypes that they can thrust in to conveniently portray, like, oh, she's on a death spiral, you know, on this on this dis- depression cycle. But I mean, I- I've never been in it. I'm I'm not. I don't look like Kristen Stewart. I've never been on the street and catcalled by a motorcycle gang. But I mean, I just don't. I've never. That didn't seem familiar to me. That didn't strike. I think it would be handled in a different way. Like there can actually be real people who are just appear in the story pa- in a passing way, you know, just ever so briefly. They're just a footnote in Chris- in uh, uh, Bella's story. And and uh, yet they actually carry themselves like normal human beings, you know. But they didn't. They're like, nah, I just need you to be a horny motorcycle guy. Cool, I can do it. It's part I was born to play. So, But it's also crazy that she agrees to go with them. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like, uh, what's her name? Uh, Jessica's response her reaction was so perfect. <laughs> She's like, like, are you fucking insane? <laughs> if they could have one F word, it would be right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what's that What's that actress's name? Anna Kendrick. Uh, Anna Kendrick. Was this like one of her It's earlier? one of her earlier, like, breakout roles. No kidding. Because, uh, again, skipping ahead to the most recent one. It's, I just watched the the last movie today, so it's the freshest in my memory. But uh, what's this? Rami Malek makes an appearance. I'm like, he must have only been get, just getting started at that point. So mm-hmm. it's cool how many people have, like, touched this in their career. Mm-hmm. Jessica and Charlie, only reliable yeah, narrators exactly. in this entire film and book. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but so her, that adrenaline scene with mm-hmm. when she gets on the bike kind of kicks off her oh. like awakening or mm-hmm. reawakening and her connection with Jacob, which I know this is going to be like controversial, Ooh. but hot take. I, I thought Bella had more personality and more interaction when she was hanging out with Jacob and like having conversations with him, at least Mm -hmm. in the movies, Mm -hmm. than she ever showed with Edward. Yeah. I wonder if that kind of ties into the perceived age gap between, like, Edward and Bella. Like, when Bella's with Edward, she feels like she has to be, like, more the adult. But when she's with Jacob, someone that's uh, someone her same age, she can be more herself almost. And then also, if you cast Jacob Black as someone that's younger and not this, like, manly man, uh, it kind of plays into that, that she can just be... Uh, you know, 17-year-old girl, 18-year-old girl. I think it's just the the context of the scenes with them. I mean, mm. so uh, when she's interacting with Edward, it's always in the context of this very accelerated romance, right? Like, oh, we've, we've known what we mentioned in the, in the review of the book, like they met each other like three times and they're already professing their undying love for one another. Like this, and so everything's set up in this contrived romantic relationship and everything's about that. Whereas her and uh, Jacob 
like, yeah, we're, we're working on motorcycles together. That's actually a more relatable experience. Like we can all have, we all have a moment where we walked out and talked to somebody in a garage who was working on it. Everybody's done, has had some familiarity with that kind of scenario. So her interactions were, with him were more grounded in normal behavior. And so they were probably easier to perform. I agree. That's a good point. Um, I also thought in New Moon that the vampires moving and like fighting was way better well done than any of the other movies. <laughs> it's like really cringy to watch. And then you see New Moon and you're like, this is how it should be the whole time. And then they stopped. <laughs> I don't remember how they moved. I could, that oh, didn't girl, stick out I'm going to pull this up because it's like worth watching. But I do remember the hair just being awful maybe it was maybe it was the next movie who's here carlisle it <gasps> oh. looked like he was wearing like he was wearing a wig or something yeah it was terrible it's also interesting because i feel like the makeup artists uh gave less of a fuck as the movies went yeah absolutely <laughs> they're like uh it's gonna be a lot of work to like cover you in gray makeup like i'm just not gonna do that today <laughs> yeah I, I noticed that on the last one especially too as uh edward was standing there looking at bella recovering um he looked. He just looked like Robert Pattinson, no makeup or anything. And uh, it's like they decided, like, well, you know, we're putting all this pale skinned makeup on him. The dude's from fucking England. Like, <laughs> just let him show up. <laughs> you know? He's okay. And I did see something on like Reddit or Instagram or somewhere uh, that this was supposed to be representative of like Bella becoming more comfortable with them and like slowly uh, becoming more vampire. So they seemed more normal, which I get. But I also I feel like that's a discussion point is like how much with authors and filmmakers can we uh, attribute more thought than is actually you know, creditable. I don't and what's know. Just that's a, a budget word, problem. Yeah. And like what was just like you didn't think about it mm-hmm. or we always love to kind of read into things that maybe aren't there. <laughs> uh, but to your point, I think uh, what you're saying is that you can torture a confession from any text, you know, and uh, I do think the fan base does that somewhat. Somewhat? I'm, I'm not super familiar with the fan base. So rabid. <laughs> yeah, <is it? laughs> yeah. I, I have to say, though, I feel like they're rabid for a reason. Like, I don't understand why Twilight, when it first came out, got so much visceral hate from people. And uh, I think it kind of speaks to the whole we can't let teen girls enjoy things kind of rhetoric that is 100% true. And people, Rob is making a face right now, but it's so true. We don't let girls, teen girls just be teen girls about things. One Direction, people hate on that all the time. And it's like, it's just a boy band that girls like. Like, why do we have to fight about that you know i had i my initial gut reaction Mm -hmm. to you saying that was like no that's not the thing and then Mm -hmm. thinking about it yeah that occurs across um platforms with music with books with movies like yeah it it occurs across sexes too though as a society we just have a hard time letting people enjoy things once upon a time nerds weren't cool i don't know what the hell's happened in the last 20 years since i left high school but it wasn't always so like nerds were it was acceptable for you to have like be obsessively uh, like fanatical about things Holy crap, you you sound like Gene Tatum in uh, 22 Jump Street. (laughs) He's like, what the fuck happened to high schools? (laughs) Why are all the nerds cool now? (laughs) It it happened behind my back. I wasn't involved. I wasn't involved. You just need to go back to high school. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, this doesn't get to make it in the podcast, but I would slay in high school now. Oh my God. (laughs) That's staying in the podcast. (laughs) Jesus, I'm going to wind up on a watch list. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, but, uh, but apart, uh, sorry. But so apart from uh, you know, just not letting people enjoy things, I think 
probably is a subtext to all of that. No, you can't have that. You can't enjoy that. You you know, this is why we can't have nice things. The reason is, is like, well, we would just prefer that you enjoyed better things. Oh. Yeah. Well. I mean, that's fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, Harry Potter. Yeah. I, yeah, because uh, it might be an overreaction on the Twilight fandom is that they got so much visceral hate, so they had to work harder to prove themselves, and they maybe went a little bit too far in kind of exclaiming Twilight's, the Twilight Saga's, you know, biblical-like themes and how you could read into every sentence and... It's maybe like a a bit of an overcorrection, but I I mean, it's true. Like, it's a good book, but I don't know that it's that incredible, you know? Well, and I was thinking about this earlier today, which is I haven't watched any interviews with Stephanie Meyer. Mm. I haven't read anything. Mm -hmm. I haven't read any articles about why she read, like, wrote these books. Mm. And I think trying to attribute an intention or a motivation to an author is what every kind of reader or fan is attempting to do because they want their interpretation of the text to line up with the actual intent of the text. And not knowing what Stephanie Meyer intended, like, I read this book the way it was marketed, which is for a young adult paranormal romance, which is pure escapism. There's no greater meaning behind that. That was that's how I interpreted the initial like read on this book. Mm-hmm. I guess speaking to your point about the rabid fan base overcorrecting, yeah. like there's nothing to overcorrect or respond to. Yeah. It's just a it's just a book. It's just a a romance novel like the thousands of other romance novels that exist for a specific age group, mm. and that's it. I feel like that kind of comes from the point of view though of like now older Jordan, because like I know as a kid or not as kid, but like a early teen or mid teen. Um, when you'd want to say that you read books, but it always leads to that second question of like, what kind of books? And then you yep. immediately are like, uh. So when I was reading <laughs> my trashy bodice rippers as yeah. a 14 year old, like I hid the book covers. Yep. Yeah. Cause it's That's embarrassing. The point of the, yeah. You know, the cloth book covers. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it does kind of come from the perspective of like now, like I don't give a fuck. Like I have a podcast about these books. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like as a teen, you maybe have to kind of like uh, very rapidly talk about the. Like find some other meaning to justify yeah. the experience. But yeah. I think that's the point is you shouldn't mm. have to justify no, something yeah. that you enjoy. Yeah. Hell yeah. End point. Unless unless it violates a law. Yeah. Morally wrong. Let's caveat that a little bit. <laughs> Loving Twilight is immoral though. So, so. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Disinvited. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> you I, have been removed. I just had to peg the needle the other way. Uh, yeah, I, I remember. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that. I never really thought about it, but I used to cover the, uh, in high school, I read a lot of the Star Wars expanded universe. And I was like, again, nerds were not cool in, you no. know, 1999. Okay. <laughs> So, God, I've dated myself now. Like, shit, in high school in 99? We announced your age in the first episode uh, that you gosh. recorded with us. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> you don't remember. I'm bellying up to 40 in many ways. Um, but yeah, I used to I used to hide. I, I'm, I refused to crack the spines on my paperbacks, but I would curl the cover around so you couldn't see and then cup the cover so they couldn't see. I was reading Star Wars Expanded Universe stuff. Like, what fucking nerd reads Heir to the Empire? Like, it's actually really good. It's one of the best. It's like, in many ways, it's better than what George Lucas wrote. So, uh, That's how I feel about fanfic until I stumbled and told my husband about it. And now he's just like, yeah, you're reading your like smutty fanfic. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think he cares because he really... <laughs> Receives the positive benefits of me reading smut all the time, but <laughs> yeah, you just need to find you know a partner that accepts all part of you. Well, actually, so 
still, though, till this day, remember you were kind of leery about sharing the fanfic yeah. with me? Yeah. Oh, okay. So this is a little plug. So one of my favorite fanfics is for Rob's in the room. I actually don't know. No, no, was- just do it. <laughs> Okay, so it's about uh, Hermione Granger and Draco Malfoy, which, okay, he's making (laughs) the sour face. But if you think, (laughs) oh no, this is when they're older. Um, So the fanfic is they're like 40 years old and they're all in like, you know, 40 year old, not great marriages that were kind of arranged and they jumped into when they were really young. Um, But the fanfic is The Politician's Wife by pyromancer yeah that sounds right something like that it is uh it's my favorite and i've read it like two or three times and there's a pod thick like podcast version of it that i also listened to last night um and me and jordan have been talking about fanfics recently and i'm like oh maybe i'll just like send it to her and uh she didn't respond because like something (laughs) happened with her like phone during these like two days that she was reading it and i was like i can't ask her because then it's gonna be like what's her response if she didn't like it and she's like oh well it was like all right but it's maybe not my taste and then I would have to stab myself in the heart and die. Uh, I'm talking faster because I'm stressed out. I'm sweaty. (laughs) But then um, when she finally like came into work and I was like, so and she's like, I stayed up all night to read the fanfic. And I'm like, thank fuck. It was so it was so good. Like as I was reading, I'm like, I need to find out who this author is. Like she has got to have real books out there. It is so good. So it's the politician's wife. It's amazing. Why is it going to be a she? Uh, it it read like a female author. Yeah, because uh, oh, 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 so I catch shit when when I say my so my first exposure. I don't know if I mentioned this on the other podcast. My first exposure to Twilight was my sister was a diehard fan. The movies had just come out. I happened to be in town. She says, "Let's go see this movie, Twilight." I was like, "That's something about vampires." Okay, cool. We'll go check it out. Halfway through the movie, I I lean over to my my sister and I say. Is this based on a book? She said, yeah. like, Because, I mean, sometimes you can tell when a movie is based on a play. For like the way it's staged, like, oh, they're always in the same two rooms. You know, there are hints, you know. Uh, so I'm like, is this based on a book? She said, yeah. Like another five minutes goes by. Is the book written by a woman? <laughs> she says, yeah. And it says, figured. And I catch hell for that. Every time I say it, it was like, that's ah, sexist. Okay. Dude. So for the politician's wife, yeah. this, this fanfic, I think maybe the – and this is just a like 90% guess as yeah. far as like is the author a, a man oh, or a woman. Mm-hmm. Like it's because Draco is written so well. Yeah. Like it's like <laughs> that's how you would want Draco yep. to speak and yep. behave. Yep. Like, Yeah. So in the – yeah, we're way off twice. But what's uh do they wind up uh uh like in an affair or separating and uh so it is kind of an affair, which is like the questionable part, but it's well written. Mm-hmm. So they're both in uncomfortable marriages. Like Hermione's obviously married to uh Ronald Weasley and they're kind of in the midlums of just kind of like a meh marriage. They're uh she's a workaholic. Draco is not really a workaholic, but they're both trying to become the deputy prime minister for magic. And so it's like this political political tie where Hermione's always the like by the book, you know, always gets dumped with everybody's like uh busy work because she's like, oh, we have to do this. It's like the morally right thing to do. And Draco understands the game of politics. And he's like, I need to, you know, go to these like after work hangouts and like no actual political work is happening in the ministry. It's like afterwards. And he's just kind of like wooing her. It's like he's loved her the whole time. It is so so good. (laughs) We need to send. See, that's like a new level of our friendship. I'll be honest, I'm game. This sounds good. It's so fucking yeah. good. <laughs> With the, Okay, so I think this was our mini review of that. Uh, yeah, that we just true. We just stuck it in. So one thing I didn't like about oh. um, this, we already talked about it, oh, but yeah, it was yeah, yeah. Hermione. It's written in first person, and mm-hmm. she's 
her reaction is either like annoyed or angry mm-hmm. pretty consistently throughout the story. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't like have a lot of emotional. And I think this is a good example of like uh, just a conveyance for the reader. Yeah. Like, insert yourself. Mm-hmm. Now you get to romance Draco Malfoy. Because <sighs> um, who wouldn't? <laughs> Girl preach. <laughs> he likes Monet's in this fanfic. No, he's an adult. He likes Monet's. He plays tennis, uh, well-dressed all the time. Is that Very you're playing tennis now? He likes... <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? My uh, parallels in real life are no your business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's interesting. He likes still art. like Because, I mean, in the magic world, paintings move and stuff. Well, he likes Monet's. No, it's interesting. He likes muggle art. Mm-hmm. That's a cool... I wonder if that was a deliberate contrast with his earlier pure blood sentiments. Yes. I'm, I'm game to listen to this. This sounds actually pretty good. Better than Twilight. There's an audiobook and a regular like version of it. Shooter's preference. How long is it? Uh, 60,000 words. I want to say it took two hours. Maybe? Yeah, it's, it's not that long. Oh, uh, f- yeah. Fanfics are either a quick one shot, which is like a couple thousand words, or it's like 400,000 yeah, words. Yeah, or it's like a standalone. It's like, like a novella size. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. Eclipse was my least favorite book or movie. Yeah, I I agree with Eclipse you. Eclipse was trash. <laughs> it was just the filler. Third one. Yeah, so this is the one where the, the they had the brood of newborns, right? Mm-hmm. It just seemed like such a because it kind of felt like they just needed um, an extra movie. And I haven't read the books in a long time, so I can't really. They ne- just needed like an extra something to fill in what happens with Victoria, and it's like that could have just been a, a note. It didn't need to be its whole book. Like, yeah, she was a big nothing burger. Edward just oh, so with moments of just pure extra pure trash. Yeah, this whole like Edward gets extra protective in this movie. Like that's his the yeah. whole theme throughout the book in the movie is Edward's like, I love you so much more now, and I won't let anything happen to you. And this whole bullshit with yeah. him, he disables her truck when she when he thinks she's gonna sneak out, which is the same shit that Charlie does in the first movie. So now we have him acting like a dad figure, like daddy issues. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's um a little bit scary, because if you take it out of the context of, you know, they're deeply in love, this is YA. Um, if someone does that to you, that is uh, the biggest of all red flags that could be waved um, in your relationship. Like, please get away immediately. Yeah, it's one of the it's one of the markers of human sex trafficking. Like these people don't appear to be able to leave. Yeah. <laughs> like... Well, it's nice that they gave Renee like this whole moment where she's like outside observer commenting yeah. on Bella and edward's behavior and she's like she calls it mm-hmm. i think maybe the producers are like we need to have a trigger warning here we're just gonna hide <laughs> yeah. it which is like he's really intense like like a magnet and uh what else does she say whenever like you move he moves mm-hmm. and he's like always looking at you or something but it's kind of said in this like kind of like oh but he's a little bit intense for her. you know this is your first love but it's also kind of give it a tacit approval by her which, which- I kind of wish she was more like, hey, like, I don't love this. Like, you're still a little young, but I get that you're a teenager and you're going to do what you Mm -hmm. want. Like, a little bit more hedged than, you know, just full approval. Like, So Bella has a comment, I think, later when she's, I don't know who she's talking to, maybe Mm. Jacob. Mm -hmm. Uh, She says, love chooses you sometimes. Oh. Oh, giving up your control over the situation that you're in by saying that you're not like a, you didn't make an active choice. Yeah. 
That's a little icky feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd love something that happens to you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, I think it, I mean, as we've touched on, I think already, there are some kind of overt Christian sexual moral themes here. And, uh, or, or sorry, I said over. It, it's more covert. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it, because they never mention it. I, I, I think the only even hint of Christianity I saw in the movies, anyways, was the Cullens have a massive crucifix laying on its side at the top of the steps. <laughs> yeah. like, like, oh, okay, there it is. Got it. Uh, like apparently it doesn't bother them like it does in uh, Bram Stoker. Yeah. All these, all these Christian sex- sexual moral themes like, well, you know, partnership is for life. Like, and that's across the book, not just across subcultures like vampires or wolves. Uh, it's across all of them. The only broken marriage we're even re- aware of are Charlie and, and what's her name? Renee? Renee. Renee. They're the only people who didn't work out. Uh, it's how this whole thing got started. So it does seem like a, a very elaborate parable on on Christian sexual norms. So. And I also feel like Eclipse was when it really came into focus, mo- like the most, like New Moon felt still teenage like, okay, this is like kind of fun, you know, love triangle and yada, yada, we get it. But Eclipse was really... This kind of like really came into fruition. The eclipse was just love triangle. Yeah. Um, and you like get into uh I feel like I can't really put it into words. And maybe if you've seen the movie recently and you can kind of also agree with these vibes that I'm getting, it's this weird so with Riley, he is a new vampire and he follows Victoria. They it's implied they have sex, but they're like in love, but they're not actually true mates. And then he like dies at the end and he's always seen as like evil. And it's kind of this weird parallel of like if you uh, have sex before marriage with someone other than your like true mate, you're like wrong. It's the, it, it was kind of epitomized in the Victoria Riley thing is seen as like evil. And it kind of gave me the heebie jeebies because they're, this is the first movie that they talk about not having sex until they're married, like at the very end of Eclipse. And it's just kind of a weird, like, hmm, it makes me feel uncomfortable. That tracks, yeah. Yeah, sex is currency will end in doom, you mm-hmm. know, that sort of thing. But yeah. uh, you mentioned something, too. I, I think you made, a, you made a good point I hadn't considered, which was because I was thinking like, well, I mean, what the hell? This whole thing with Victoria, it's a big nothing burger. This whole it was just this massive segue. That's not true because what it does is it sets up the conflict of the love triangle. So mm-hmm. I guess I guess that's the the point of the book or the point of the story. It also introduces some like major consent issues because the, the issues were already there mm-hmm. to begin with. But Jacob has this whole scene where he like forcibly kisses her and he tells her i won't take no for an answer like i just i just don't believe you excuse me it feels yucky and then that she like hit him and it didn't really impact him at all and only impacted her like that's a and her emotion like her emotions that she was projecting at least during these scenes Mm -hmm. it's like anger to acceptance to now i'm second guessing myself so i should believe you but honestly Thank you, Charlie, for the comedy, because his face when Jacob says she, she broke her hand. He's me. like, what? <laughs> yeah. Charlie, again, again, more relatable than anybody else in the story, because that was one of my favorite scenes was like, oh, he kissed her. Oh, she slapped him. Cool. Like, good, good response. Well, it did piss me off, though, like not a few minutes later into the film. He's, he's like, well, she doesn't know what she wants. Like, well, she knows that she wanted to slap you after you kissed her. Like, I mean, I know you're 17, you're still working shit out, but like, that's a pretty explicit, I know she didn't say no, but if somebody slaps you, dear reader, it's a no, so. But then she wears that fucking bracelet he got her yeah. with the wolf on it. Oh, yeah. 
And it's weird, too, because uh, the only person who's sure of the relationship is Edward. He's like, oh, no, she loves me. Like, everything is fine. And, like, that's kind of in question in, in Eclipse. But then he also has these moments where he's like, no, I trust Bella. Like, it'll be fine. She loves me. So it's this weird kind of, like, paternalistic thing where he's the only one that knows that she's going to choose him, but she's, like, in doubt herself, but, like, not actually in doubt. It's other people telling her she's in doubt. You know what I mean? Yeah, Bella was infuriating during this movie yeah. because she is constantly flip-flopping between the two. Like, Edward gives her a diamond bracelet after Jacob yeah. gives her, and she's like, it's pretty, thanks. Okay, this but, is supposedly the love of your life. <laughs> yeah, it does kind of give credence, though, or credence. I guess shot. God damn it. We had one finally. <laughs> I was doing so good. Uh, go ahead and... I, you might want to shake that a little bit. Oh, Jesus. All the alcohol is like... <laughs> Are you sure you're going to drink water? <laughs> oh. A lot of water in this. Um, but to give credence to the point that uh, daughter underscore made... Oh, my God. That looks horrendous. <laughs> I'm going to cry. Is that like Bella's the unreliable narrator? Like... Uh, maybe as a teenage girl you would maybe feel in doubt but i also feel like when i was a teenager i was 100 percent sure of things that maybe i shouldn't have been sure of mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i didn't have doubt but well, maybe I, I should have <laughs> i think it's really normal to feel torn between people right like a love triangle love triangle tropes exist because they happen in real life it's very relatable oh. <laughs> <laughs> i wish people could have seen your face is it really that bad? We need to get a camera in here. You need to include stills. Oh, <laughs> Maybe we should uh, dump that out and just do the straight peanut butter whiskey. Yeah. No, I will pronounce every word correctly mm. for the rest of my life. <laughs> this <laughs> is behavior modification. You notice how precisely she said correctly? <laughs> is that another show? There was almost another. There was almost another like vowel sound at the end. Correctly. <laughs> Correctly. So I think, uh, I mean, it's annoying that Bella, it keeps, she just keeps Jacob around. Like it's definitely going to end up in a, I, I was with, I was with Edward like, oh yeah, no, you're good, bro. You're, you're, she's definitely going to wind up with you. But she just keeps him around, just keeps him on the hook. And it's annoying, but I also, it also kind of tracks again, like I, I can appreciate when people are uh, complex. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I, I really wish it happened more in these books and movies. So Bella, you know, being undecided as a 17-year-old girl torn between two smoke show dudes, one of whom happens to be immortal and is promising her eternity. I can see I, I, you know, it'd be You'd feel conflicted about that. And you'd want to you'd want to have your cake and eat, and, and eat it too. But yeah, my complaint is that Edward still seems a bit two-dimensional. But let's talk about the tent scene on the mountain. <laughs> I still don't understand how at the end of that, they're like, okay, we're bros and we're both going to protect her. Like, there's no fucking way. So I was <laughs> quoting, I, I rose writing down quotes from my partner because he watched this with me. He suffered and <laughs> he said, just fucking make out your gay pose. <laughs> uh, that was uh, endearingly. Like, they obviously have some... Uh, Unresolved, which would make sense because I mean Edward came into existence or was birthed, whatever word you want to use, in the Edwardian mm -hmm. uh, era. So like maybe he's just closeted. Yeah, that would be a fun take. That would be a good fanfic because yeah. again, I so some of my notes I wrote here was that Edward shows mo more personality talking to Jacob than he ever yeah. does with Bella, and Bella shows more personality with Jacob. Maybe Jacob is the key. <gasps> they should just be in a throuple. Oh, actually. I am 100%. That Everybody gets what they want. <laughs> <laughs> Rob does not agree. <laughs> Rob looks disgusted. Weird. No, I mean, not disgusted. I mean, just like not disgusted with the concept of the trouble, but uh, disgusted with the con Because, I mean, eventually the, the freaking daughter gets involved and it's like, that's a bunch of creepy shit going on. Anyway, uh, 
No, back to like, why does he, why does he show more personality when he's interacting with Jacob? Because when he interacts with Jacob, the motives and intentions are clearer, right? Back to uh, why does Bella interact with Jacob more naturally than she does with Edward? Because the whole Edward Bella thing is extremely contrived. Mm. It's very hard to write it in a plausible, credible way. Because like, what, what the hell are you both getting out of this? Like, love, okay, no, got it. I mean, that's yeah, a big word, and it's it's a big tent. Understood, but but I mean, they never. It's from the early stages of book one. It's never really cashed down all that well. We're just we're ineffably drawn to one another. Like, okay, well, if it's ineffable, I guess we have to leave it unsaid, which means we're gonna struggle to articulate normal developments in conversation, just in conversation. Because also, what is the conflict? Um, I feel like I want to caveat this for the readers. Jordan and I are dabbling in story writing, um, maybe potentially, uh, and we're like kind of fleshing out what the conflicts are between the characters. But what's the conflict between Edward and Bella? Like, what's the reason that they can't get together? And I get it's it's her turning into a vampire. Like the conflict is their whole identities don't. It's never really brought into conflict. Like, I get that he leaves for the second movie, but it's always kind of the implication that he still loves her and they're still going to be together. So maybe the conflict is it's a dual conflict with this whole we have to be together, right? Mm-hmm. But these there's like three barriers. There's one, we can't have sex before marriage. Mm. We have to be married and you have to be a vampire. Mm. And all those three things have to be resolved mm-hmm. before. That's all the books. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would make sense that that's the conflict, but it feels like a silly conflict yeah you know what i mean yeah <laughs> quote them for me again though you we can't have sex before marriage uh, you, you have to be married i have to be married well and, that's one and, they have to be married and then she has to be a vampire so that's two things she has to be married and she or they have to be married to have sex mm-hmm. and they, she has to be a vampire mm-hmm. all right just for my own edification all right well, i just take issue with with i guess article one in that <laughs> list of problems well because i mean again uh, back to the this is a weird oversight for me uh, from from the writer's perspective, which is that, uh, again, I think there's a lot of like undercurrents of Christian sexual morality in the in the books, you know, saving it for marriage. And it's, again, across subcultures, you know, wolves and vampires and everybody seemingly. And nobody bats an eye about it. Like, yeah, no, obviously we're, we're not going to have sex until we get married. And then we just casually gloss over as participants in the story, you know, the characters in the story or as viewers watching the story as people wantonly murder one another. I mean, I get I get not our heroes and stuff, but I mean, we just casually blow right past even, even so. Actually, that's not true. Some of the allies that they summon to their side are, you know, are not the vegetarian vampire types, you know, they're killers too. And so we just look right past the homicides that they routinely carry out and focus for 10 hours on the sexual politics. Which is interesting because Bella has a line because she's initially resistant to getting married super young. Yeah. And she says, well, when she finally caves, this is the 21st century, I at least want to hyphenate my name. She goes from being resistant to marriage because she's 18 yeah, and wanting to maintain some semblance of identity by mm-hmm. not completely merging into that family to just not caring anymore. Yeah, because um, so that kind of leads us pretty well into Breaking Dawn Part 1 where all the marriage is occurring. I feel like she didn't really put up a fight about it. No, not like, at all. She just kind of was like, mm, OK, if we... Because at the end of a clip, she's like, okay, I want to have sex. And then there was the awkward, like, no, we can't have sex until Why we're married. Why do they, there's a fight at the end of Eclipse. Why do they have a fight? Do uh, you remember? About it, the sex? No, no, like the like the whole colon family lines up and all the, was it the Volturi gum? Uh-huh. Oh, no, that's in the last one. 
Oh, the wolves. There's yeah. there's a fight in Eclipse. Yeah, yeah, there's a fight. The wolves show up to kill Bella and the baby. No, that's oh. Breaking Dawn. <laughs> that's less. Oh, oh uh, it's the newborns. Oh, the yeah, newborns. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. I, uh, yeah, I, I skipped way ahead. Okay. We were talking about the wedding and all of that. Sorry. No, because like the fight at the end of Eclipse is with the newborns, but then at the very last scene is like uh, they have the house to them themselves. I think the night the fight is happening. I'm getting confused now. But at the very end, <laughs> uh, Bella and Edward have the house to themselves, and she's like, "Okay, like we're doing it. Like that's what this means." And then Edward's like, "Stop trying trying to take off your clothes," which again I didn't love because you can do a lot of other things. Uh, to you know, engage in sexual intimacy that's not sex, uh, which does involve taking off your clothes. And he's like, "Don't take off your clothes." Uh, but then they have like a whole like fight about not having sex until marriage, and then she kind of caves in. So it's almost like the implication of like, "I want to have sex, so I'm okay getting married if that means we can have sex." That, so that's what I mean, like yeah. mar separating marriage and sex into the same, like, yeah, not separating it and putting it in one conflict is not accurate because for Bella, the conflict is she wants to have sex with her boyfriend, yeah, and he's like, "Not before marriage." Yeah. So then marriage becomes like a second conflict. Yeah. yeah. It felt yucky. But then she's like, okay, like, let's jump into marriage. And I feel like uh, we talked about this a little bit. Jessica's comment during it where she's like, oh, I wonder if Bella's showing. And then Angel's oh, yeah. like, don't say that. She's not pregnant. They, like, love each other. It's like, why was Jessica the only, like, reasonable narrator? But she's kind of cast and uh, made to say it in a really, like, mean girl way. It sure seems like if you'd be sensitive to maybe you got married super young. Yeah. Which is crazy because, like, I got married pretty young. and. I don't like that. Those are legitimate questions. Like it was just because we're weirdos and I don't want to be with anyone else besides him because he's my kind of weirdo. You know what I mean? But I mean, I don't take offense to people like questioning why we got married so young because it's like objectively speaking. Yeah, that's weird. Just worked out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I don't it just felt yucky that sex and marriage were intertwined and it turned into like a caveat or almost like an ultimatum. It's like because what where would the relationship be? If she didn't agree to that, they would just keep doing this very awkward, like, we're going to go to chemistry class together and sit yeah. next to each other. And, oh, you're going to smell good. Yeah, because uh, what does happen after that if she didn't agree to be married? Would he have eventually caved? I don't know. He's kind of a, no, not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> she held herself back. But yeah, Breaking Dawn Part 1. Uh, the wedding was beautiful, though. The wedding inspired, remember, the wedding inspired so many other weddings. Oh, yeah. Where did the rose petals come from? Oh, in the dream. Oh, that's right. It, w it was a dream, right? Shit, I'm sorry. I'm conflating, though, too. Mm -hmm. My bad. But the dream was super hokey. But the actual wedding was beautiful. But I didn't love that she was, like, really anxious the whole time because I feel like the, f like, uh cinematography of it didn't convey that she was nervous about being in front of all the people, not nervous about getting married. Because when I saw it um, and I didn't really think about it, I'm like, oh, she's nervous about getting married. Like, that's awkward. And then she had, you know, the scene or whatever. But they could have done a little bit better job of like, oh, I'm scared I'm going to trip in front of people. And they had the one line with Charlie where she's like, oh, don't let me fall. And it's like, but that wasn't enough. Like, she was stressing. <laughs> so Breaking Dawn, this was get a complaint about this whole series which is in less than five seconds of the opener jacob is there shirtless yeah like, running into the rain what's the point like are we just catering to our audience it was nice to our look fan at. base yeah i mean yeah he's got <laughs> such a weird <laughs> scrunchy on the same page i don't like his face what's the what's the point i mean 
he didn't work out four hours a day for three months before production for nothing. Like, yeah, chicken and broccoli only. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he needs his 10 minutes of fame here. Jordan doesn't agree. I don't we agree. We agree. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I don't agree. It's a it's a total – I mean, again, I, I think fundamentally these all of these movies and books, as, as far as I can tell, it's like they started with the question, what would be ultimate wish fulfillment for a bookish 16-year-old girl? And so everything, including – I mean, down to what happens in in uh, uh, Breaking Bad, Breaking Dawn too, <laughs> Breaking Bond, where she becomes a vampire and she's the strongest one in the room, and she's the toughest one in the house, and she wins the arm wrestling competition and all that. I'm skipping way ahead. Uh, yeah, all just more wish fulfillment. Ah, that's me. That's my. That, I'm that girl. Like, oh, also, sorry, I feel called out. <laughs> but please continue, Jordan. Okay. <laughs> Jacob has this really awkward, weird, irrationally angry scene at the beginning where he's like. Holy shit, you're going to have sex while you're still human? Ooh. Come on. Like, very preachy. Yeah. But not just preachy. And I mean, again, I, I think I said to you guys yesterday that I'm kind of over pointing at plot holes because, I mean, they're just, there's a bunch. Where, how did he become so certain that if she had sex with a vamp, like that mortal, immortal sexual congress was, you know, a death sentence for the mortal? How did he know that? I don't think he knows that. I think he's just, he doesn't want to say, I don't want you to have sex with him. And he finds some other way to phrase it. Uh, no, he seemed really certain that she was going to be, it was going to kill her. And and I mean, and he, he even turned around and said it to the other, to his wolf chums. Uh, and it just, it just, it just like was, uh, was I think I said yesterday, which, yeah, no, I think as I said yesterday, like what, well, what happened? Did Billy Black gather all the pups around the campfire and say like all right so so these vampires right they glitter in the sunlight they feast on human blood and they ejaculate like a shotgun blast full of one carat diamonds is that what billy black told them i mean honestly there's no way that's going in <laughs> no i'm keeping that it's cold because it <laughs> 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 i i have several questions about the like the how does everything that happens in Breaking Dawn Part 1 happen in Breaking Dawn Part 1? Like, I don't love how some YA books uh, immediately pose that you get or you find your true love, you fall in love, you get married, and then you immediately have a baby. I I don't love that narrative. In, or uh, immediately in Twilight. <laughs> yeah, the, like on her honeymoon? Um, well, also, she uh, has... I'm sorry. Edward is so forceful when they're in bed together that she has yeah. bruises all over herself yeah. like a domestic abuse victim. Yeah. Great touch. Yeah. That's just them playing into the, we're just accepting on on faith that, because when uh, Jacob has his reaction, like, oh, you're going to kill her. You're going to kill her if you have sex with her while she's still a human. Like, I think that's a plot hole because how the hell does he know that? Why is he so confident in that? But at, the, at this point, that has been introduced into the into the court's record, and now we all know it because Jacob inexplicably told us. And so this is them just fulfilling it. Like, no, it, it genuinely is problematic for a mortal and immortal to have sex. Like, just never mind the pregnancy aspect of it. Like, he could kill her, apparently. So I do have another partner quote to introduce because yes. we were halfway through Breaking Dawn Part 1. And he turned to me and he's like, we're seven hours into this series and this bitch ain't a vampire yet. <laughs> True. Yeah. So that kind of does bring up. So we have like a little bit of a group chat that we were talking about this movie as we were watching it. And I went on Reddit and there was someone that had a hot take of uh, basically, I feel like Bella shouldn't have turned into a vampire uh, during the series. And I kind of love that idea. Like, I felt like it was inevitable. She was going to be a vampire or whatever. But I feel like it's a much better narrative and story and lesson for young girls and really like young kids that are reading this book because it's a YA book. 
is that she doesn't have to change who she is to get the things that she wants in her life. Except the message of this is that she has to be a vampire in order to get what she wants. Like, why? Like, can't she just be who she is? Like, the nerdy, kind of awkward, stumbling girl, and that's enough? Yeah, what a message to send young girls. If you if you want what you want, you have to change. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Another message, like like overlaid on this, right? So we're we're skipping ahead, right? Mm-hmm. So honeymoon, she gets pregnant. Yeah. She has a baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like we'll get back to that. But she wakes up a vampire. The whole thing, like, oh, you had a baby. You almost died. You looked like a fucking skeleton. And now you look like a goddamn model and you just had a child. I also don't understand why her first, like, inclination. Well, I guess she did right when she woke up. She's like, where's Renesmee? Mm -hmm. But I feel like as a new first mother, you would want to see your kid before anything. Even at a distance. Like, I don't. But, like, have you seen, I forget where I read it, but it was like a thing of women having their makeup done while they're in the hospital just after they give birth yeah unreasonable expectations of like oh you almost died so you proved yourself worthy of motherhood so you get to look like a goddess yeah on the one side i see that and then on the other side it's like women who want to look good when all the pictures get taken which like cool i get it but it also kind of feeds into the like weird like instagram Mm -hmm. you know picture taking of every event of your life and like do you need to look picturesque when you went through something really fucking difficult like you could just be who you are we we talked about a little bit earlier where she goes from all about edward Mm -hmm. i'm in love with you yeah i i will defer to your every wish and desire Mm -hmm. just to be with you too i don't give a shit what you think this is my child i'm gonna do whatever i want with it for my child yeah like that's also not healthy yeah because i also don't love the narrative that like like you were saying it's marriage and then it's a child like it kind of equates motherhood childhood to wifedom to being happy to being in true love but like some people can't have kids like it shouldn't like rosalie like she could not have kids and that was like a big thing in her life but it shouldn't be that motherhood is when you make it you know what i mean and the only time we see Mm. rosalie like happy and positive and like having great interactions with the character is when she's like being a pseudo mom for renesme yeah it feels not good (laughs) i don't know the whole thing was just kind of like gross problematic yeah gross and problematic yeah because like one it kind of goes against bodily functions like how that worked and then she wanted the baby despite it killing her and like, that's probably a good time for medical intervention abortion, but... It was really nice to see Edward, like, have more of a, I don't know, personality again, like, yeah. anger during this time. Like, I care about you. Like, I, I've i worked so hard to be with you. You've mm-hmm. worked so hard to be with me, and now you're willing to give all of that up. Yeah. Like, why don't I get a say in your, like, well-being? Yeah. And you just get to make all the decisions. It was a very reasonable response. I, I didn't love that he kept calling it it. Like, I... It was almost too clinical of a objection. Like it should have been like, I love you, the baby, you know, it's not really a baby yet. It's still a fetus. Like I think the backstory with the newborns maybe probably caused oh, yeah. some of that. I could see that. Or no, not the newborns, the uh, immortal children. Yeah. Yeah. It just felt kind of weird that he was calling it like it. <laughs> like it felt a little bit too much. Maybe not the author, but the movie, the theme was trying to vilify him too much instead of those being like very reasonable objections you know what i mean (laughs) but also rosalie was super hot oh my god yeah (laughs) they like figured out her makeup hair combination Uh a plus (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, I, I noticed the same sort of motherly martyrdom thing. She literally died bringing the child into the world. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm less bothered with it because, I mean, frankly, I mean, does it come back as a it? I know people like that. I know people who would maybe uh, I don't want to say superficial. That's, I don't know the I, I can't think of the right word. Uh, it's not superficial, but people who for whom that is everything. Like really, not in a performative. I post it on Facebook kind of way, but like are genuinely all about it. Motherhood is making it for them. It's not an unrealistic character type. Uh, it's just maybe not the most interesting character type. But I mean, people are like that. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a obvious smack in the nose trope. Like, oh yeah, yeah, she sacrificed herself to bring the child into the world. Like, mm, isn't that compelling? God, that's actually that's really dismissive. Women do <laughs> die in childbirth, and it's tragic and awful. And and uh, sorry, that's a bit of a downer. But <laughs> you know I think I, that's that no. I I get the point you're trying to make. It just bums me out that that's the trope they went for with this book. That's yeah. been super influential in the developmental years of all these teenagers. Of like. Fall in love, marriage, and then kid, all within three four months. months. <laughs> yeah. Real fast, yeah. Well, and also this continuation of the love triangle while she's pregnant. Seriously, seriously, yeah. Uh, so God, what are you doing, Jacob? Go and then he. And then but like, what is what is Bella doing? She tells him like yeah. it feels complete when you're here, Jake. Fuck off, yeah. like. And yeah. also, Edward, how would you do something about that man? Like, come on. <laughs> Because he even grimaces during that. Like it flashes to him right after she after she says that, and he's like, "Excuse me." <laughs> and she gets cold, and he's like, "I'm on it." And he's like nestles over and like cuddles up to her butt. And like, no, I guess he's the only one with any body warmth in the room. So off he goes. Super weird. Oh, it was yucky. <laughs> Actually, you know what? We were talking about that they they should be a thruple. I mean, they practically are. Nice take. There was silence because we all kind of thought about it. Like, yeah, they kind of are. At <laughs> least at least until he winds up screwing the daughter. Uh, uh, no. I didn't know. write it. Stephanie Meyer did. Yeah. Don't blame me. That is, okay. We um, should talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about We're that. Well, basically breaking down part two. Oh, hang on. But before we, before we move on too much, I, I mean, did anybody else notice how rapidly they went from at the wedding the wolf i, I forget the alpha's uh name sam i forget yeah with how rapidly went from sam being like she's not our problem anymore because remember he just cooked off about you're gonna have sex on the wedding night you know it's gonna kill her uh so sam's like she's not our problem anymore man she's not our problem they were basically i, I don't want to say indifferent but i mean they were like i mean whatever she's made some choices and that's that i mean in that kind of tone like not like a well she'll get what's coming to her later and then later she's pregnant and like he whips them into a fervor. They're all wolves communicating by telepathy. And he's like, that she's made her choices and, and we've got to kill we've got to kill the feed, you know, kill the baby, uh, which are more abortion undercurrents there. Uh, and uh, and they're like, Well, but Bella's a human, she's under our protection. It was like, Well, not for much longer. And I mean, like, they were ravenous to go kill Bella. And like, where'd that come from? Yeah. It was like this sudden like groupthink swing from well she's not our problem to like no nah, we're gonna go raid a house full of vampires and murder a pregnant woman like that shit's gonna happen like wow that was sudden like we really went from zero to sixty in quick order that is kind of weird there's a plot hole there I just accepted it when I was watching the movie I but mean, now when you say that I'm like hmm. well maybe that feeds into the whole like vampire child thing that Jacob knew about maybe like Jacob wasn't told enough. Mm. If we're assuming like why he didn't want her to have sex with him while she was still human, oh. I don't know. I think that's attributing too much. Yeah, like we just have what we have in the movie, and yeah. that's where I'm thinking. You have to gotta cherry pick and sidestep plot holes and loopholes and things like that. I mean, 
there's plenty of good stories that have them. Uh, but I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there are many, what is it? Deus ex machina. The, 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 just, we've got a mechanism that punts the story along here. That was Jacob, for instance, introducing like, no, she can't have sex with a vampire because it'll kill her. Like, oh, I, I guess she can't, I cause the 17 year old werewolf kid knows everything about vampires. I guess that's true now. So. Cause that is kind of weird because Edward's whole characterization is someone that's very careful and trying to not hurt Bella with everything that he does. And he's taking it very slow for him, his own sake. But like, why did marriage allow him to do whatever he wants without thinking about it? You were going to make a point, And that's why we moved to Breaking Dawn part two. What was the, (laughs) um, I'm looking at my notes. Um, and all I can focus on is yet another partner quote. Oh God. (laughs) Which was go back to Quidditch, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Oof. Yeah, Cedric Diggory for the win. <laughs> My boy. My boy. It was such a good scene. That, it was. It we just heart-wrenching. That appreciate how well, man, that guy went full send oh on that God. moment. Like, oh, my boy. Oh, God. It's, even thinking about it, it tears my heart out. That guy killed that. He moment. did not need to bring that to that teenage kids movie. Please tell me that, Please tell me he got that role. They just halted the additions at that point. Like, uh, yeah, no, he's got it. He's going to, like, yeah, that's definitely going to be like, that's gonna that's gonna make the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I think it was something about Renesme and the thruple. Oh yeah, <laughs> I am triggered. I yeah. feel like the whole Jacob as Renesme's what did, what do they call it imprinting imprint uh-huh. thing was just a justification to make the love triangle okay because mm. that's the only reason that exists. Because it, if you this yeah. really is Christian morality, like you can't have sex until marriage, like. Would go to show that you wouldn't be able to, like, I don't know, consistently flirt with another man while you're seriously committed to another. Yeah. Not cool. You know, yeah. What it does is it cashes Jacob out. Mm. Here you go, buddy. There's your chips. Mm-hmm. Like, because he's, he's, he's been in up this whole, this whole hall for Bella and he's not going to get her. Like, well, where's his just desserts? Like, that's cool. We got a, we got an infant coming your way, buddy. Like, super creepy. See, it's like the worst part. Like, I'm not a Christian, so when I talk about Christian sexual morals and stuff like that, that's I, that's the perspective I'm an outsider looking in. But like we can all agree, though, there's some really creepy vibes. I, it, for, it, for instance, the uh, the fundamentalist Latter Day Saints, you know, where they have you know sister, you know, dozens and dozens of why they're still practicing polygamy with minors and stuff like that, like that sort of stuff, grooming children from birth for for marriage. I'm like ah, those and are they, the vibes that get off that. They try to save it to in the beginning. Well, oh, like as an imprint, you can be a brother or a friend yeah. or a father. Like no, yeah, no. It always leads to yeah. being in a relationship, which is fucking disgusting. And it's basically grooming because you start off as that protector, yeah, the friend, the brother, and then all of a sudden, it's so like. I think if we hold anything against the series, it's this. Yeah. I agree. And the weird scene, I don't know if you guys caught it, but when after Jacob imprints on Renesme and then Bella is like fighting him about it, there is like a um a scene where he's like you don't feel anything for me anymore, do you? And she's like, "Well, no." And he's like, "Yeah, because that was Renesme. Like the whole time I was in love with you, I was actually in love with Renesme." Um I I'm almost positive this happened in the the movie and now i'm tripping out because you both are like looking no at no me like, no, no that happened okay yeah that's so questionable like someone can fall in love you with you based on like the eggs in your body like that's not you like what the fuck like <laughs> how about based on your smell 
Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't think it's the only thing we can hold against the series because, I mean, the exact same power dynamic, social power dynamic exists between Bella and Edward. He's 108 years old and she's yeah. 17 when they fall in love. That's a I've, really good point. I've been saying it from the first book. It's it's this is creepy and weird. If it, if it if he didn't look like Cedric Diggory, we would find it creepy and we would hurl the book across the room immediately. You know, so the comment commentator the reader who mm-hmm. messaged us she brought up Jane Eyre yeah which has similar vibes right like mm-hmm. very problematic hero who's significantly older than the heroine hmm. I know you haven't you haven't read it no um mm-hmm. the movie's really good uh there's a movie with Michael Fassbender and he's just delicious <laughs> <laughs> did you hear the voice change <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um no so it, it's a very it's kind of like it's considered a gothic romance because he's hmm. he keeps his wife his crazy insane wife like locked in the attic with a caretaker and brings in this young girl to take care of his child and she is oh. uh she's young like maybe 18 19 yeah. i think and he's in his mid-30s Ooh. so like not as significant as 100 years old but yeah. still he's already married and uh he's way older and she has no world experience it's like a very similar comparison yeah. I- i'm not a subscriber to the idea that you can't judge has you know past events by the standards of the day I- i'm firmly of the view that you absolutely can what else can you do uh, but i mean if it's about fiction it's about the the people who had existed in that context and that in those social settings and those can be compelling dramas. And so it's one thing to set the story in a time where the power dynamics between men and women were that, were that, you know, uh, there was that much of a discrepancy between them. That's another thing to set one in because when is, when's Twilight set? What you, well, yeah, modern, yeah, modern time. Yeah. Yeah. Modern time. So, so I mean, yeah, it's still a, it's still a hundred year old man and an immortal uh seducing or and or seduced by a 17 year old girl and again I, I as far as i can tell the only reason you can you can try and cash it out with well it's fate and magic and stuff like that but i mean ultimately i think we accept it because he looks 17 and i mean we're just that we're all me too we're all just that shallow these books were written prior to roe versus wade being overturned women had more rights nationally when the when these books and movies came out than they do now and yet abortion is an issue in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of what society says or what the law is, I mean, it's a moral question everybody has to pose to themselves. The characters pose it to themselves and they come down pretty solidly on the, uh, no, we're going to see it through to term even if it kills her. So, I mean, that's also a choice that gets made out in the real world, out in the wild. So, I mean, as far as that, I mean. Well, I- it was a choice then. But now, it, for some people in certain areas, it's no longer a choice. Well, I mean, I'm not sure it's legal to perform a cesarean section with your teeth. So <laughs> the fair. book does but a number of things. Yeah, that the... whole pregnancy scene was just pure horror. Oh. Like, it, it gave me, like, saw vibes. Yeah, like, it was yucky. Uh. <laughs> it was super yucky. But a nice high in Breaking Down Part 2 was Stefan and Vladimir. <laughs> the, real <laughs> the real Dracula. The real Dracula. I just love okay, so <laughs> uh, I'm a huge Bones fan, uh, mm-hmm. the TV show, and the guy who plays the blonde one is he Stefan, I think, or Vladimir? I don't know. They're the same. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the one that plays the blonde one, he was in an episode of Bones, and so Aww. I saw him and I was like, oh, I know you. <laughs> yeah, there was a great cast for Breaking Dawn Part Two. There was. Yeah, Rami Malek makes yeah. an appearance. I was really tickled by that. Uh, that's cool because I mean he must have just been getting started when mm-hmm. when he was in this. So it's fu- it is funny how many recognizable names uh, touched this apparently earlier in their career. Because who were we talking about earlier? 
Anna Kendrick. Mm -hmm. No, same thing. I'm like, oh man, they got her for a for a bit part. Oh, like, well, I guess she was up probably only up for bit parts at that point in her career. So I'm a huge Anna Kendrick fan, but yeah. also she got like in the ending credits, they did such a good job. Yeah. I think like homage to the books, right? We talked about they this. Did. Yeah. But Anna Kendrick, she gets a lineup with three other characters yeah. and like she's in every single movie and yet like some of the like Stefan and Vladimir got their own standalone yeah. parts in the credits. Like that was a little bit of a questionable move. But I can it kind of makes sense though, because I was reading something about um how in Twilight the book, there's another friend in their friend group, uh Lauren, who's like the quintessential mean girl. And I guess in the movie, they decided to merge Lauren and Jessica's characters into just a more mean girl version of Jessica. So it kind of makes sense that she's kind of pinned up as the friend that you don't really like or the friend that doesn't really like you, the like mean girl that you're just kind I mean, of... they're not a friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it so it's interesting because she was really one of the only reasonable people in the movie. And then her and Charlie <laughs> for the win. <laughs> they were on a lone island by themselves. Yeah. But yeah. They'll probably wind up married. Oh, <laughs> no, no way thinks she yeah. got. <laughs> well, no, they introduced the whole weird love interest for Charlie, uh, Sue Clearwater. Yeah. Which that happens in the book, I think. Does it? Yeah. Oh, okay. But again, it's just weird. Like, why did they need to add Why did they that? throw that in? Like, they, yeah. that would have been a deviation from the book that would have helped the movie yeah well because honestly i mean true to form charlie's the only well-written character like mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah his life goes on while this fantasy drama on for this melodrama unfolds between everybody yeah because there was a couple of scenes so i feel like this kind of brings us to some of our broader points about breaking dawn part two so there's a couple of points in the movie where you really feel for Charlie. Like, he's left on the outside. He has no information about his daughter who just, you know, all of a sudden fell in love with this guy. He left. She went through a huge depressive episode. He came back, and he doesn't love her, uh, or he doesn't love this guy, but he's like, okay, if he makes you happy or whatever. They get married super young. He's uncomfortable about this, and then all of a sudden she disappears for a couple months, and he's freaking the fuck out. Like, yeah, like if you look at it from Charlie's perspective, that is fucking terrifying. Like your child just disappears. And then the next time that you see them, they're different. Like it has all kinds of fucking like cult vibes. Like if you just look from Charlie's perspective, how terrifying. But they just kind of gloss over it. They're like, yeah, you know, she's in love. This is like her true love. She's become a vampire. She's immortal and stuff. But like from Charlie's perspective, like he's in a cult. Like, <laughs> it's creepy. Well. It's everything is okay as long as you're in love. Yeah. That's kind of the messaging there. Jesus Christ. So, yeah. Actually, yeah, question for you guys because you've read the genre more. I mean, I'm familiar from with romance from other stories that don't squarely fit into the romance genre. But like I, this is, I think, what non-romance readers imagine romance is no. like. Where, like, where, oh it's like where it's like the entire race on deck. That is why people exist. It is to meet their one true love, couple up with them, save it till marriage. Uh, and then get married and happily thereafter. You know, they, they, that's it. Is that, am I, am I just dead wrong on that? Like, it depends on the, like, cause romance is a huge genre and there's like subgenres yeah. within it, right? Like we do fantasy romance, mm -hmm. but historical romance is different, like depending on like which era, cause there's medieval, his, mm. like historical romance, there's Regency. And then like with Regency, because that's probably one of the more popular ones is mm -hmm. you see this whole in that time, super common to, like, you get married, then you have sex. Mm. In Regency romance novels, it's very common for, like, oh, the hero, hero and the heroine cave and they have sex before marriage. Oh. Um, 
because they can't resist themselves or, or whatever. And then like the buildup is either them getting married or the, uh, it's the reverse, which is they don't have sex. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some sort of conflict preventing them from resolving their relationship. And it's more mm-hmm. of an emotional development back mm-hmm. and forth. Like it just depends on the spicier end or not mm-hmm. where you are. But it's all, it's the development of the relationship. That's yeah. the focus. And Twilight does that. Like Twilight is a romance novel. It's just the development of a relationship. It just takes five fucking books. Right? Five? Yeah. Uh no, four books, Midnight but five Sun. movies. Oh, if well, you Midnight count, Sun, Sun is just Twilight from his perspective, right? Which why do we need that? Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. because he's so because he's so poorly drawn, <laughs> like uh, in the other books. Know. Like he's so. But good. it is kind of interesting because so I will say Twilight is canned is like a romance book, but I'm not sure that it really is. Like if you compare it just the text to other actual like romance books that we've both read, there's not a lot of focus on the relationship. It's like all the reasons that they can't be together and then the Volturi like angle and then, you know, him running away and then Jacob coming in. Like there's not a lot of the quintessential aspects of romance books in this. If you ask whether or not a book is considered a romance novel yeah. or not, it's would the plot exist without the relationship? Mm, that's true. Yeah. Because this would not it's no but it's it's crazy though because it doesn't really focus on the romance like we don't get besides book one like we don't get a lot of points of them like developing the relationship like getting to know each other um you know i think that's why it's a bad romance novel hmm. because they're really you don't see the development like the emotional development between those two characters yeah. no because they're they're in a committed, not even lifelong, but eternal relationship from like page 150 in mm-hmm. book one. So, yeah, there is no development because it happens in the blink of an eye. Because even like a lot of, um, so I haven't read a lot of these books, but I know it's a genre that exists, uh, like Faded Mates. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rob's looking at me questioningly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when uh, two people are like meant to be together in like um, deterministic and what oh my god <laughs> so you said faded mates yeah there is there is an author who is oh that's a word right <laughs> no it's not that is definitely a shot katie um so uh you should look up an author named christine feeham last name is f-e-e-h-a-n and this is one of the authors that i read as like a super young teenager her trope with all of her books it's the same book just different character names Mm -hmm. basically it's faded mates i don't want to say they're terrible Mm because i did read a few of them but it's just the same plot over and over again and it's that it's that you are destined to be with this one person and the whole book is you getting to be with that person Mm -hmm. um and either one person in the couple is resistant to it for yeah. either because of circumstances or internal conflicts. Because mm-hmm. even those, so the faded mate ones is like they're inevitable to be together, but it's like how they get together. But that's not really in Twilight, the how they are together. Like uh, there's never any question of whether they love each other or not. Because even in the second movie, in second book, New Moon, like they love each other, obviously, but that's like the impediment to them being together is, you know, she's still human and he's like, oh, you shouldn't be with me because I'm an immortal. But it's still like the love is never a question. And I feel like it's more satisfying in romances where if, it's like if it, it is. A qu- and that's yeah. what you you commented on initially, which is like Edward never doubts their their love for each other. I want to say because it's been like way too long since I read like New Moon and all the other books is that there is an element of doubt on Bella's part during New Moon because it's as the love triangle progresses, she's legitimately questioning like, well, Edward is gone. Jacob is here and he's this man 
who can also take care of me and protect me and whatever. Um, so, oh, is that in the books? I think so. Like that's actually your rationale. He protects me. I I don't. I I hesitate to say it because it's been so long since I read the books. But I want to say it felt like there was way more doubt, which is why it was readable. Because I ne- I didn't read the books right away when they came out. I read them later. Like, uh, this Twilight really stands alone. Mm-hmm. Like, you can read. Like, would you agree with that since you just read? What, oh, just the, the first book? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd say. I mean, no, actually, no. No, I, I don't think I do. Because, I mean, where does it end? I mean, seriously, where, where, where does it finish up? It ends up with prom, the immediate threat. I mean, prom. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's right. The end scene is is, uh, is prom and Victoria's there loitering in the background, at least in the movie she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I mean, it, it ends on a starting point. Um, like, she's been introduced to the world. Um, the initial threat has abated, but I mean, she's not a vampire. She's just in a relationship with one. She hadn't even graduated high school yet. So, yeah, no, I don't think it's, I don't. I mean, it's a complete story into itself, just like book three is where the, you know, they, there's the emergent threat of the newborn, you know, the broods or whatever they are. Um, but I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's clearly the prelude to a longer saga. I don't know. Twilight is still going to be one of those movies that I watch every like mm, three to four weeks, put it on. Uh, it's rainy outside. It's comforting the blue tones, but New Moon might come into the roster a little bit more often. These other ones will absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Let me say something embarrassing. My sure. you know, my movie that I put it on, if I'm having a bad day, if I put it, do you know this story? I've told you this. So yeah, my partner, she thinks this is the, the weirdest thing, but the movie that I put on when I'm having a bad day and it never fails to cheer me up is the movie Babe. Oh yeah. I, know I can't, I, I don't even struggle to articulate why. It's very easy to say why. It's a very- The pig. It's yeah. I just love bacon. Pick the pick of the week. Uh, <clears throat> no, I love it because it's it's a, a beautiful landscape. Every every scene is in this beautiful rolling verdant green hills. It's just this idyllic setting. Very, it's perfect. P- uh, pretty soundtrack. It's a really pretty soundtrack, and the performances are really kind of heartwarming and heartfelt and and well done. And it's kind of an uplifting story of a of a little piglet overcoming adversity. I'm like, what couldn't what ha- what in there is failing to cheer you up right now? No day is not made better by Babe the Pig. No shit. I love this. I love this movie. No shit. It never fails to cheer me up. Also, uh, the earlier Harry Potters do this too. Yeah. Same kind of vibes. Because they're so hopeful and optimistic and things things always work out. And I don't know. What? Uh, I'm laughing, but endearingly. Like it... You loving the movie Babe softens you in such a way. <laughs> you should know, like you probably picked up by now. Like I'm not exactly coarse, so uh, yeah. Babe, it's, <laughs> the little piglet. It, it's so a, cute. When was the last time you guys watched it? When was the last time anybody saw it? I don't know that I've ever seen it. I watched it as a kid Ghost a long time ago. Uh-oh. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna add that to your list of two. You got to watch that. And you got to three. Both of you need to see Three Thousand Years of. I've seen it. I oh. love it. It is so good. You watched it? Yeah, I watched it right when it first came out. It's amazing. It's been on my like to to watch list. It's based on a short story. Oh, oh. It re- you know, it, like you know, sometimes it's based on that tracks. Actually, that makes a lot of sense to me. But uh, the, part of the reason I like it is it's kind of a mix. It's not unrequited love, but it's a it's a more complicated than everything works out, and it's more complicated than it didn't work. Out. Yeah, it's. And a, I love the ending. Is phenomenal. Oh. It's so good. And that's a real fairy tale. Yes, that actually. That strikes the fairy tale vibe perfectly. It's it's almost impossible to describe. And I don't think they followed the short story as much. Very much its own thing. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about it because I don't want to spoil it for anyone because it's so good. 
Uh, do we want to end with talking about why no one died in, <laughs> in Breaking Dawn Part 2? I was excited when the when the passports came out, like, Edward and Bella don't make it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah. the reason, I, I don't know, I'm going to simplify it. The yeah. reason why no one dies is because it's a romance novel. It has to have a happy ending. Mm-hmm. It has to be a fairy tale. No one's going to die. But you can have a happy ending with a couple characters yeah, dying. Yeah, you can't. But, like... Not in this genre. I I guess. But I mean, like, all of the fantasy romance has someone die. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, this is just pure romance. Oh. Like, I would not argue that this is, like, a fantasy yeah. with a dashed romance. This is just a romance. Happy ending guaranteed. No character that you're that the reader or the viewer is going to get invested in is going to die. Mm-hmm. The one character that does die, no one gives a shit about. Arena. Oh, Yeah. Because she's only introduced for like two seconds. In yeah. And she's portrayed to be as deserving of death because yeah. she betrayed everyone. Yeah, That's another, she's just another one where it's the, they, we're, we're, we're working our way to the, a lot of the book. We're just working our way towards a conclusion, wish fulfillment of some kind. And uh, we need a character to sort of kick the can down the road a little bit. Well, she comes along and she's all pissed off because uh, they killed, what's his name? It's not Leander. What's the guy? The, he was part of the original, Laurent. Yeah, there we go. Uh, She's all been out of shape because they killed him. Like he was trying to devour someone under our protection on our land without our consent. Like we all know how this works, right? Well, we all we all basically agree that there are a handful of rules. He broke them. He he paid the price for it. But then and now she's this. We needed a traitor, so that's what she's going to get bent out of shape about. And it's just another contrivance to to set up a conflict. But that's what I mean. Only the bad guy bad guys die. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Because even uh, Jacob is given his happy ending with Renesmee or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that whole weirdness. Yeah. Every single loose end is tied up. Yeah. No, all the good people, all the relationships stay successful. Yeah. Can you imagine Esme, who was saved from killing herself, like continuing to live without Carlisle? Yeah, that wouldn't happen. No. How about Alice, who was in a fucking mental institution? Yeah, she's not going to survive either if Jasper just got beheaded in front of her. But it would be such a good, again, like these examples of ways that Twilight could have been a better message to young readers is like uh, you can still go on. Like you can like mm-hmm. being in love isn't the only reason to That's be alive. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Like it would have been much more satisfying. Like the family trying to move on after Carlisle dies, like the patriarch of their family. And then Esme kind of trying to be like the matriarch and like I have to, you know, stay here for my family. Like there's other reasons to be alive besides my like mate. Like what a better You know, a storyteller <laughs> who did who did this really well was Harry Potter. Yeah. J.K. Rowling. There was a bunch of people that died, but it was, there was a reason, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, Not even at the final conflict. I mean, serious black. Yeah. Each Ouch. death had such impact and meaning for the overarching story. Well, shit to me. I mean, when Sirius Black died, I was gutted. <laughs> yeah. No, because I mean, like she did, it, oh man, it, it was almost cruel the way she set us up for a fall on that one because like, oh God, he's going to get out from under the Dursleys. This guy's cool. He's everything you would want him to be. Like he loved it. The, the parents, and you can see the relationship developing with Harry. And I mean, like, so when he when he goes, like, oh shit, it's not. I have not read that she that the the protagonist has experienced loss. I have felt lost with them. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like, that's good storytelling. That's a <laughs> comment. So from that book that you were checking mm. out, uh, John John Turby Truby, I think. Uh, like it's like the art of storytelling or something oh, like uh-huh. that. He says that when you design your characters, you want them, you want the audience to empathize with them, not sympathize with them. Mm. I think that goes back to that. Yeah, feeling. 
this might be controversial and probably a hot take, and I don't know that anyone will agree. And it's kind of like a half thought thought. Uh, I feel like Carlisle and Jasper didn't die in these because nobody would really have a believable reaction to them dying. You know what I mean, though? Because, I mean, none of the relationships were, like, developed well enough that you would really feel any kind of grief for those characters. Like, it had the shock value. Like, I know in theaters, like, everyone seeing Carlisle's head, it everybody fucking went insane Mm. but you don't really have any real relationship developing moments between carlisle and bella that would make his death actually impactful so it's like oh we'll instead give you the happy ending because these grief inducing scenes aren't gonna really make anything for you you know what i mean yeah no i i agree this is a i thought it was I, I didn't mind the ending, actually. <clears throat> and actually, I think one of the better hours of the 10-hour saga was the last hour, honestly. Mm. Seeing things wrapped up, I really don't like how things worked up with Jacob Jacob and Renesmee and the whole imprinting thing, because that's just back to the, oh, cool, we've got another way for everybody to bond for life. <clears throat> but um, I, I thought it was a, it, it's a, it's a way of giving you both, uh, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's the alcohol. Epic yawn. Uh uh, it's a way of giving giving everybody everything they wants uh, that they want, and so they give you the downer, and then they they do a bait and switch on you. I think the best example I'm going to do a minor departure here. The best example if you've ever seen, um, uh, what is it? Uh, oh shit! What's the name of the movie? Um, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Terrible movie. Oh, oh. but it, but such a okay. It, love it or hate it. It has a very, if, and I'm um, spoilers here, uh, love it or hate it, uh, I think they used a very, very clever narrative trick. Because you know that the Manson family goes in there and they kill Sharon Tate and they kill everybody in the house and they murder everybody. And you're all driving towards that moment. And you know this is where it ends. It's the three-hour movement and there's this tension accumulating at the back of your head because it's a uh, truly awful scene in history. And you know you're about to witness it. And then at the very last minute, so you get all the anxiety because you know how the story ends. And then they subvert expectation. They say like, no, nah, no, our heroes were there that night. They, they, they kill all these people in a very satif- satisfying and grotesque way. And so you get all the anxiety of the scene where Sharon Tate dies. And then you get the wish fulfillment and the satisfaction of, well, it doesn't happen that way. And you can't even tell the story if the viewer doesn't know that that's how it ends. Which because- works really well for people who haven't read the book. So only if you've yeah. ever seen the movies. So I think that was that was cool watching my partner watch it because he's like, oh, shit, everyone dies. This movie got cool. Yeah. Um, Fuck right. yeah, yeah. Screw these guys. But, Solid ending. But then like, oh, it was just a dream. What the fuck, man? So here's your happily ever after. I was <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't bad. I mean, like it was cool to see some of the powers in place. So Alice's power to... Uh, I mean, it became, it didn't feel like a contrivance when Alice walked in and was like, let me show you yeah. the future. And and it was an actual, okay, given the world that we've created here, this is an actual plausible outcome. She shows him like, eh, yeah, no, your body ends up in a pyre in like in the next five minutes if you make the wrong call. So I mean, like you're five minutes from from the end of your immortality. Uh, do, do you want to proceed? Okay, that tracks. I can, I can see that. And I also like the idea that he's Martin Sheen's character. What is it? Aro? That he's so sinister that like, also, I mean, it's, this is just a delay of game, right? He's he's not done being a sinister bastard, so. Yeah. I felt like he wouldn't have just accepted the Cullens, you know, so scared of his own mortality that he would just dip out. Like, he's been around for 1,800, 2,000 years. I feel like he's probably 
brought up against more difficult circumstances and still decided to fight instead of just like, oh, I'm so scared I'm going to die. I'm going to run away. That felt a little unbelievable to me because that man has to be fucking cutthroat, bloodthirsty to rule all of the vampires for that long. But he's all of a sudden scared of the power of love. No. <laughs> I'm scared of the fact that um, apparently Bella's a potent shield which um he's got he's got some super weapons in his in his arsenal but she has the appropriate counter for it and even though they're outnumbered if she can balance the game all it means is like all right strategic withdrawal for today that's why i'm saying it's just a delay a game maybe i'd be curious too if with alice's visions if the way he his power works arrows if he experienced that moment like as it was happening or if he was like a separate viewer because if Mm. you're experiencing that moment okay yeah yeah maybe like okay we're i'll I'll take a breather (laughs) yeah i wonder if it's if uh does she speak to that at all in the book i know it's been a while since she's both read i have no idea because his does seem to be a little different. I mean, Edward can read minds and stuff, but he doesn't have to touch anybody. So his power is apparently somewhat different. He can read all of them. He can read all of your th- your memories and everything. Huh? Yeah. Not just what, not your active thoughts like mm-hmm. Edward, right? Okay. Do they get more into what Renesmee's bi- ability is? Because, I mean, she's, yeah, we don't really get to see much. Not in the movie. She touches the face and then their face changes. And so clearly she has some impact. There's something exceptional about her, but we don't really get into I what she does. I don't remember what it was, if it was described. The only thing I remember from reading these books and hearing about Renesmee was a little bit of confusion. So uh, it could have been me skimming the books when I was younger and not really understanding, but I'm pretty sure I was confused when they talked about Renesmee as a whole plot point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so cool. I, don't, I, I don't know. I can live with a little bit of... Mystery. That's fine. Uh, but I mean, like, okay, cool. That's just an unstated thing. There are other mysteries in the books that are like, nah, you, you got to cash that out. Like, why would they not just be homeschooled? <laughs> you know, like stuff or, like that. Okay, like, but wear makeup, like foundation. Yeah. To cover the glitter. Cover the glitter up. Yeah. Come on. There's a bunch of solutions here. Though uh, there was that whole thing in the books that they couldn't dye their hair and they couldn't wear contacts. And yet their hair it. color changes in every fucking movie. Yeah. And they in the movie, they literally put uh, contacts on Bella when her dad's coming over. Yeah. Because uh, the contacts are supposed to like dissolve after however long because their yeah. body is whatever it is. Poisonous, venomous. Well, that, gets towards your, that gets towards your, um, your question earlier. Uh like what fluids are in their body? Yeah. Okay. Again, how did Bella not die from some like poisonous semen? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't understand because I feel like a lot of books kind of gloss over sex stuff because, you know, it's taboo for young people to know about those things. But that's how you lead into scenarios where, you know, a girl has sex for the first time on her honeymoon and all of a sudden she's pregnant. Maybe not against her will, but like not intentionally. Like that results from not having these conversations about what happens when a vampire has sex with a human. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's how we avoid the whole Renesmee thing to begin with. Better sex education. Levies for school. That's our takeaway from this entire movie franchise is better sex. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I would vote for you. Oh, my God. This podcast would immediately be brought up. We're going to put interspecies sexual relations back in the curriculum. Hell yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) There's enough like monster smut romance right now that maybe it should be brought up in sex education. Going to sleep with vampires. (laughs) Anyways. Anyway, I think that's probably a good stopping point. I, yeah, I think yeah? that's all we can we constructively co- talk we are, about. We are going way, way further down the rabbit hole than I'm comfortable with. That's fair. I feel like this has probably been like talked about in fanfic and stuff, but these are legitimate questions I have. Mm-hmm. 
it it bends the possibility of. Oh, be careful! We're gonna get comments. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna get more comments. We have just uh, aggravated the fandom. <laughs> but I feel like in a kind of constructive way. Like we haven't aggravated them. Like, oh, Twilight is trash. A like, true fandom is obsessive. That's true. But I have questions. Like, if someone could inform me how this works. Not in graphic I think detail. the that only person gross. who can inform on any of these points is the author. Yeah, that is true. Because I would be interested, like, what was her thought process behind them being the only couple? Because that was my other question is, why didn't everyone have these children yeah. like Ronesme? Like, they're both the better parts of human and the better parts of being a vampire. Like, they're still immortal, but they can blend in with society. Like, why wasn't this a bigger thing? Uh, <laughs> actually, <laughs> I, I think I have an answer for you. Uh, one, because apparently if the vampire isn't, like, genuinely deeply committed to the human, which uh, it doesn't sound like it's super common because usually there's just food, mm-hmm. they kill them in coitus. And two, if they survive, the infant kills the mother, as it did with the, what is it, the South American guy mm-hmm. that they, they brought forward. So, like, it's, it's probably rare just because survivor bias, they don't make it. So, or, and the Volturi will kill them because there's confusion about, like, all right, well, is it a, is it a, a human child that was turned into a vampire too young or is it, is it this half-breed thing? Mm-hmm. So, since there's such a reaction. I'll accept that. But still, poison semen. Oh, my God. <laughs> with that... From our shelf to yours. We'll see you on the next page. (laughs) Hi, readers. If you'd like to help us pick our next book, send us a message on Instagram. Or if you'd like to just listen, we post new episodes every Monday and Wednesday on Spotify, Apple, and Amazon. Thanks for listening. Bussin'. (laughs) Da 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 da